You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to another episode of the Hoops Fix podcast with me, your host Sam, need a full-time British basketball advocate. This one has been a long time in the making, uh, 10, 11 months or so, uh, ever since Jamie Edwards, who is today's guest, uh, became the new owner of the Manchester Giants uh, BBL franchise. I really wanted to get him on to kind of discuss uh, the the goals, aspirations uh, of the team, what what he's trying to do with the with the with the club, and and why he decided to get involved. Interestingly enough, uh, he is a former England senior international, former pro himself. So the first 30, 30 or so minutes of this interview, we go into his uh, background and his actual uh, two previous attempts uh, to try and uh, get involved with ownership of the Giants uh, back in the in the late 90s, early 2000s. And then 23 years later, in February of 2020, it kind of came to fruition. And obviously, in, in that time, uh, we've seen the club rebrand, which uh, unfortunately we didn't get to go into too much detail uh, in, in this week's show. Um, but uh, yeah, the club has obviously rebranded, has moved into the National Basketball Performance Centre. And already this season, as you'll hear him say, it has surpassed expectations uh, compared to the last sort of decade or so where they've been near the bottom of the table pretty much every single season. Uh, being highly competitive and, and and fielding a roster that is uh, significantly better than in in previous years. So yeah, we're super interested to kind of hear where he's coming out coming at it from, uh, what his thoughts are, what his hopes and aspirations are, and some of the challenges uh, that have have sort of come to fruition since uh, he's been involved uh, with the club. Uh, he is a uh, sort of peak performance coach, uh, working with uh, sports people, uh, elite sports people, for the last ten fifteen maybe 20 years um so it comes with a sort of very uh psychology psychological uh based approach um so yeah it was a super interesting conversation hopefully uh, if you've been kind of wondering about uh, what's going on with, with the giants this will provide uh some insight into that as always before we do get into the show uh gotta give a quick mention for our patreon account please go and check it out click the link above uh, patreon.com forward slash hoops fix there you can start to give a monthly or annual contribution of as much or as little as you would like to help us do the work that we're doing, try and help grow the British basketball media landscape. For the price of a cup of coffee, uh, you can support us, help fund uh, this uh, truly important work, what I consider to be my life's mission. Uh, so please go and check it out, patreon.com forward slash hoopsfix. As always, you can reach out to me on every single social media platform at Hoopsfix. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment below. Uh, let me know what you think. Obviously, make sure you're subscribed if you're not already. And if you prefer some one-on-one interaction, drop me an email, uh, sam at hoopsfix.com. Anyway, that is enough from me. Uh, here is this week's show uh, with uh, Gi- uh, Giants owner, Jamie Edwards. Uh, Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. I've got to say, very excited to... Uh, you know, I, I know, I know. We connected a long time ago, didn't we? Um, ten months ago, or when? It, you know, probably I don't know, ten, eight months ago. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it's very been, excited to to be here, especially been, at this time of the morning. Yeah, I know. Yeah, for for, for listeners, it is uh, it's seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, Jamie's an early starter, as am I. Um, but it's it works in in both of our favours. But the voice voice cords do need some warming up, so I might sound a little bit raspy. Um, yeah, it has has been a long time coming. Obviously, since the since the the, the I don't know what you want to call it the, the takeover, you you sort of becoming the, the new owner of the the Manchester Giants. Um, it was something I immediately wanted to reach out and and kind of have a chat and sort of dig deeper into the plans. Obviously, now that we're a little bit further down the line, um, there's probably a lot more to talk about because you've kind of been in it and you're kind of seeing how things work and kind of getting to grips with with everything. I do. 
I do always want to sort of talk about the present day, but I think it's important for context of people to kind of know uh, your background. Um, and I think that's the place to start is to kind of go back in time uh, and sort of talk about your background in basketball, how you first got involved with basketball and kind of, um, well, we'll obviously go over the timeline, but obviously what brought you to this point today where you are now the owner of, of the Manchester Giants. So let's start there with, with kind of like uh, your early years, how you first got involved with basketball, um, where it was, uh, how, it, how it came to be. I guess like a lot of um, people in the game, you know, you take that back to, you know, your high school days. Um, I'm from just north of, I'm from Manchester, but, uh, you know, my mind takes me back to an area called Oldham, um, Saddleworth, just north of there. And, you know, I, I started as, I was influenced by, by you know, a, a PE teacher, a school teacher who, you know, in, in one year, what would be year eight now, um, I was in the team and in year nine, um, I decided I didn't want to play because um, I didn't like the year nine teacher. And uh, and I walked past the, the the you know the board and my name was on the team sheet and I was like oh I'll give it I'll give it another go and uh, and if it wasn't for him putting me on the team sheet I would not have been playing basketball I wouldn't be sat here today doing doing what I'm doing that 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 guy is still a very good friend of mine today he actually was a referee as well um, a guy called Mark McLaughlin. Uh, so, you know, the referees out there will remember Mark and, um, you know, so I always go back to that moment that, you know, there are certain things that happen and you don't know why and, and I ended up being in the team and I was like, oh yeah, I really like this. Now in Saddleworth, the rain comes in sideways. So I actually gave up playing football because it was too cold. So, you know, so it was great to be able to continue that. But Oldham, and I'm sure, you know, the Basketball historians will know that Oldham has a rich history of basketball um, as, a, as a small town. And there's been some really good players that have been produced there. And at one point, there's about four or five teachers who, were, who, would be as, who would be good National League coaches right now. And that was in one town. So that was my journey. And with it being in the, the region of Manchester, um, I ended up going down to Manchester United as it was back in the day we we hear a lot about uh that manchester united program um i guess what were your memories of of the program and can, can you talk about in the context of of that time like uh how big of a deal was it um what were people saying about it what was the sort of the culture around it well it, you know it, in all sports you get the small club big club and i you know for me it, I always say, and I say it now, that cream always rises to the top. So your better players are always going to gravitate to a bigger or a perceived better club. And and I was like that. And so Manchester United were there and I went for a trial, went for a trial. I didn't get in. And, um, you know, and I was like, OK, I, I vowed to be the first guy picked the year after. And I was I was blessed that, you know, I've had two playing mentors really in my in my career one of them Cleve Lewis the other one I'm sure we'll talk about later on um, but Cleve Lewis uh, mentored me worked out with me and the following year I go down to to the trial um, Joe Forbes there 
And interestingly, my two Oldham coaches said to me, you don't want to be a big, um, you want to be a big fish in a small pond. You don't want to be a, a small fish in a big pond. That was one of them. The other one said to me, he said, you, he said uh, you'll never make it as a basketballer. You're too small. Okay. Now, I refer back to those two conversations. And I, and I actually remember that. I remember a teacher saying to me, you know, you won't make much of yourself. And I remember the basketball coach. It's funny how you remember these things. And I thought to myself, I thought, you know, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to see what I can do. I was the first person picked. Um, and I remember walking in and I looked at one of the coaches and I said to him, I said, what are you doing here? He was actually my Oldham Celtics coach. But had never told me that he was going to Manchester United. I said, I said, what are you doing here? And he, he said, what are you doing here? You know, you, you kind of leave in Oldham Celtics. So I, I, re, I distinctly remember Joe Forber. I remember Chris King and Pluto Valiotis. They were like the juniors and they were refereeing and organizing the trials. And, you know, you were going to play for Manchester United. That was a big, that was a big deal at Stretford Sports Centre. So the programme, um, I mean, I was out in the sticks, so I didn't really know about the programme until I, I got there. And it, it, I just remember seeing kids and I remember seeing black kids everywhere because I was the only black kid at Saddleworth School. So I just remember seeing black kids everywhere. And I was like, I was like, wow, this is, you know, and they could run fast and they could jump. And so I, I have very fond memories of, of that and it was like an under 16s uh under 16s uh, program and it was split the city was split into east and west um what is really north and south but they called it east and west and uh, and there was huge huge rivalry going on in in the city basketball wise but i again i was out of it sam so it was really good for me to be in the city um and i i guess you know if i look back um, you know, I look back some of the players, I look back, you know, Manchester, um, Manchester being uh, the city that it is and talent that's come out of it. Uh, I think it's had that for, you know, for many, many, many years. The, the other thing I, I noted uh, in, the, in the notes that I asked uh, for you to send me kind of through before for this recording was, uh, you know, you spoke about that with that program as an under-16, you used to go and watch uh, the seniors and the under-19s uh, play. Uh, and it was kind of like you, and, and I know a few people sort of that played in that era talk about the fact that the, all of the programs were linked right through so that the juniors were very closely tied to the seniors because you'd all play on the same day. So there would be a whole sort of game day around where you'd all watch each other. Essentially, it would almost, I guess, something like that would cultivate sort of the, the club feel. And I think that is something that you kind of are hoping to do with, with the Giants. Can you kind of talk about that and uh, sort of your memories of that? Yeah, and, and you know, this is, uh, it, it's strong. It's strong, Sam. The, the memory of going to Stretford and, you know, as an under 16 and we wouldn't play. Um, we'd go to watch the juniors play. And so I was watching Andy Lang Chris King, Paul Parry, all those guys, I remember them today. And they were playing before the seniors. So you'd have Birmingham Bullets coming to Stretford, the juniors, and you'd be like, you know, I was like, wow, look at that long guy, Spencer Dunkley, look at him. And, and then 
and then they had this guard. I, I, I forget his name, um, but he was smooth. It wasn't Hansel. It was before Steve. Steve will be. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's where that's where I want to be. And so, and then you'd stay for the for the seniors. But the seniors, what would happen is they'd walk into into the gym and they'd be watching the juniors. And I was like, you know, so so we had one game and um, and it was we got to play there once in the season. It was East versus West. It was like the derby. It like it's like the internal club derby. Um, East versus West, and there was a point guard in the West called uh, Sean Foote. And there's a lot of guys who have been listening to this who'll remember Sean. Um, Sean now lives in Canada, and I actually bumped into him last Christmas. He comes home every Christmas. The first thing he said to me, Sam, was he said, "Do you remember that game?" And uh, and he, he said, "You busted us." And 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 I remember, like you know. Um, I think it was Tony Belogan and Michael Blunt and um, Alton Bird and all those guys were watching on the side and we beat them by eight. You know, that was uh, that was before a senior game. And it is something that we will replicate now because it's that it was that aspiration of, you know, you play there and then watch the seniors. So I know that we we've not done that here. I don't know whether other clubs do that now, but. I think it, it had a very, very powerful impact on that generation back then. The other thing that, that I noted uh, was that playing with the under-19s, uh, you, you played uh, at Royal Albert Hall, which is a sort of legendary venue that I've, I've seen photos of. Uh, there are some photos, if you Google it, I think on the Royal Albert Hall website of basketball games that were played there, and it looks incredible. Well, I'd love to hear you about that. Let me tell you, I, you know, I, I, when I, I say... I've performed at the Royal Albert Hall, and they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, Michael Bublé's been there, and, you know, yeah, you know, Jamie Edwards played there as well, you know, and, um, I mean, that was, you know, just, I think about it now, and, you know, I've told my kids, you know, it, it's, it's crazy, and it was just, again, this was the under-19s. You were going to play a final at the Royal Albert Hall, that was a big thing. And so, you know, the, the rivalry between um, Manchester and Birmingham and East London Royals and Brixton, you know, like those were, you know, those are like folklore stories. I, I, you know, what I would love to do is to get all of those guys in a room one day, you know, because if, if you ask any of them, they were instrumental times in, you know, in their sporting development and, and their lives. So I go back to that final and um, there was a the, um, David Lavinia. Yeah. So, again, I'm 16 at the, this time and I'm playing two age groups up and the starting point guard for what was the best junior team in the country. And and I'd never met all these guys, Lavinia, the Brixton Top Cats. I'm just the kid from Saddleworth, um, you know. And um, 
so all these guys, I just remember like Mike Burton and Joe, the preparation for the week. Um, you know, Pluto and Chris took me under the wing. And, you know, I was just like, how can you not be good playing with these guys? Yeah. You know, and <laughs> I mean, Sam, I don't know if I told you, I can talk for five days without coming up for air. So, um, no, no, it's good. I'll, I'll cut when I, when, you know, when, when I need to. Yeah. Um, but, go on. I, I think from a, you know, if we talk about from a playing point of view, because, you know, listen, my, I'm, I'm very passionate about young people and their development regardless whether it's basketball or not. But in terms of basketball, you know, I, you know, I got the opportunity to run a team, but it wasn't, it wasn't just handed to me. And I, I, I watched, I remember um, Joe Forbes shouting and Mike, they scream a lot. And uh, I remember him screaming, we don't have one guard who can defend a ball handler Full court, we don't have one. And so I was just at practice, you know, I was just invited to practice with the juniors. And I'm like, they don't have one guard who can defend a point guard, full court, or bring the ball up and start an offense. That's all I did. I used to go on the lane in Saddleworth, you know, little little roads up there, and I used to do defensive slides on the lanes. And, and, then, and then get to the other end, pick the ball up and do zigzags. And that's all I did. To get that starting spot, so, um, so yeah, but I was blessed to be playing with that group, and you know we went on to win um, a couple of trophies that year, and um, so yeah, great, great, great memories. Thank you for polishing it. And then uh, you know, at some point in in all of this, um, the legendary Autumn Bird, who you know, of course, many consider to be the greatest player to, to ever play in the UK, um, sort of became became your mentor. Like, how, how did that come about? Uh, that connection, and and obviously him sort of taking you under his wing. Well, Sam, you know, I, I live three buses away from Stretford Sports Centre, and every day. The first team had training at Stretford. I would catch a bus to go and watch them train. And I used to sit on the side of the court and because I used to have a poster of Alton on my bedroom wall. And um, when he was up at uh, Murray in Edinburgh. And so when United signed him, you know, I was like, oh, my God, this is, you know, this is great. So uh, Mike Burton was the assistant coach to Joe Welton and... I was, and, and Mike was the coach uh, for the junior team with Joe Forber. So, so I said, can I come and watch practice? And he, he said, yeah, of course. So I, I used to sit on the side of the court and it was probably, I was probably about maybe a week, maybe a week and a half into just sitting watching. And um, Mike said, come on, come over here. I'm going to introduce you to Alton. And that was it. You know, I, I, I talk about it today in terms of, you know, access. You've got to show up. When you show up, good things happen. If you don't show up, good things can't happen. So I showed up. All the other kids in Manchester had the opportunity to show up. Um, and he took me under his wing. And, you know, um, for me, the rest is history because, you know, I couldn't have been blessed with, you know, having access to... You know, I, I say arguably the best, the best American, certainly best American point guard to come to this country. 
Do you, do you think the you know um, the fact that you're a point guard? Obviously, he's a point guard. He's kind of kind of small as well. Obviously, you're undersized at five six. Like, do you think that 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 sort of synergy is is what he what sort of allowed him or made him interested in you because he felt like there were a lot of similarities where he could teach you a thing or two? Oh, I mean, you know, when people often talk about you know how did I get into doing you know like training brains and things like that. You know, a lot of it was because of the conversations, Cleve Lewis, big influence, um, you know, fundamentals, basics. Cleve was very understated, 6'6", point guard. Um, Wouldn't say boo to a goose, but, you know, mentally, mentally tough. Just, you hardly noticed him. Alton was the other other way, charismatic. Um, And... You know, I remember I remember him picking me up and he just got because he was a stockbroker as well. What a lot of people don't know is that Alton also had a career, a full time career whilst he was here for basketball. He actually didn't come to England to play basketball, you know, so smart cookie, Columbia University. And he always worked full time when he was a player. You know, a lot of people don't know that he never played full time. And he'd say to me, he said, he'd say, Jamie, do not just be a basketball player. So I remember him picking me up. Um, you know, my influence with jazz music was because that was on in his car. Um, uh, you know, his black BMW he'd just picked up, and then we 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 turn up at his house, and he pulls into the garage, and he's got a pair of Adidas shoes, like on all three walls of his garage in boxes yeah i mean you know what does a 16 and 15 16 year old kid you're looking at that and i remember saying to myself one day i'm gonna have a shoe deal (laughs) yeah and um you know and i did i ended up having a shoe deal but it was because of that influence and 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 again i think the the interesting thing it wasn't that it was just the access it was just the being around it was just listening to how he talked, um, listening to how he talked to teammates, um, the things that, and you know, as I was a bit older, I remember him saying to me, he said, Jamie, the first thing you do, you come out of the locker room, you go kiss your mum, kiss your girlfriend, and then you go speak to people. And and so it's those kinds of lessons that you know, he he would he, he had a huge influence on me, and I'm sure he influenced others. I I, I was just very close. Um, so so yeah, great. Uh, I mean, I could talk um, I could talk all day about about, yeah, yeah, about yeah. and he's still a mentor today. You know, in in what in what he does, he's you know VP of um, the Brooklyn Nets. So. so so you ended up going to high school, and it was actually his former high school that you went to. Is that is that correct? That's correct. Um, so. As a lot of youngsters say, you know, I want to go to America, I want to go to America. And um, he used to ignore me at first, you know, um, and then and then I'd say, you know, I want to go to America. I want to go to high school. He said, if you want to go, if you want to go to high school, it's school first and basketball second. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's what you think. You know, I'm going to play ball. And uh, and he said, if you want to go and play basketball, then you just go for the summer and you can go to camp and you can play as much basketball as you want. The school he went to is a school called Archbishop Reardon uh, in San Francisco. 
And then you can imagine legendary status in San Francisco he's got and, uh, and at the school. And um, and he said, and he, he spoke to my mum and, and um, my dad about it. And and this, he said, look, if he wants to go, let's find a way to, you know, to get him there. And by the way, you know, it's a private Catholic school, all boys, you know, fee paying, no scholarship, um, you know, back in 1988. Yeah. Wow. So, so, you know, I went to stay with uh, a friend of his family's um, who lived about, you know, a mile away from the school. And, uh, you know, great time. I mean, it taught me a lot more outside of the game. Um, it did wonders for my basketball, but it did more, you know, go into, you know, there was 22 nationalities in the school. Um so, you know, again, going from Saddleworth, only black kid in the school, to now I'm into this melting pot of nationalities. So it was really, really interesting. And, and they had a rich tradition of basketball. Um, you know, they were a D1 school. So that's the, that's the they played Division One basketball, but was a Division Three school, which is based on the size of the school. And so big school, you know, in terms of... Um, in terms of reputation. So I didn't walk in there with, oh, you know, Alton Bird has hooked this up for me. I had to earn my spot. So, and I, I, know, I know a lot of kids today, you know, that's their route. They want to go to college and they want to go to high school. And, um, you know, and it's interesting with what, you know, what, you know, some of the plans are here. Um, I think that's not the best route for everybody. I think you have to, I think there has to be a plan for when you go in. And, and, and there was a plan for me and I had to, there were certain things I had to do with my game, Sam, before I actually got there. It wasn't America was going to turn me into the player. I had to do things to actually know I could compete before I went. And then you didn't go to college and didn't play university ball? No, I didn't. So I, I got offered a scholarship, but turned it down. And so, so I ended up coming back. Well, why, did um, you, why did you turn it down? It's interesting. Um, I, I, I think even back then, I, I had aspirations of uh, playing professionally. Um, if we're talking about mentors and people you come across, uh, Kurtz Xavier was... Um, you know, around that time, you know, I'd, I'd bumped into an, an ex in, you know, in different ways had influence on me. And, and it was interesting that I came back, um, you know, I remember him saying, you know, Jamie, go college, that's not for you. <laughs> you know, it's like, and so, you know, I do, I do, I think what would life have been like if I'd have gone to college? Um, you know, I, I, I think you, you, you where you are and you make the decisions um, at that time. And um, so it wasn't, a, you know, I wasn't, I, I, I came back because I really felt that for me, I wanted to, I wanted to do things in Europe. That was my plan. Wow. Yeah. So, so you ended up coming back and obviously at this time, so we're talking uh, early tea now by the way so <laughs> trick away um so this was early 90s right 1990 um 
Wow. So you ended up playing for for Nazos, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this were and you ended up playing with, with Cheshire, and so you were reunited with the with the likes of Mike Burton and, and Joe Forber. Yeah, so I came back, and um, yeah, I loved them. So you know, I'd been away for a couple of years. So it's two years in high school. Came back, and and that those you know it was just I, I felt like I I was mature, and going back to play for those two, you know, it was an obvious one for me. I think, um, and you know, Mike and Joe just you know they squeezed the most out of out of everybody um so great time it, you know i really started to learn how to run run a team you know and i was 19 and you know again and and it's something that i think the game has to do you know and you know we've got a young guy we've got a couple of young guys in our squad right now and i've said to them you you know you're not just here making up numbers you know you, you, Joe Welton said to me once, he said, uh, he said, are you starting for the under 19s, the juniors? And I said, I said, no, I'm just training with them. And he went, so why are you not starting? And, and literally I've got the head coach of Manchester United saying to me, why are you not starting? And I was like, well, yeah, why am I not starting? And, and he said, he said, if you're good enough, Jamie, the coach will play you. And that's all I needed, Sam. That's all I needed. I was gone. I was like, yeah. And and by the end of the six weeks holidays, I was starting for that junior, that junior team. But and you know, you, I, I think I think a lot of young players, young people, and again, you know, I'm this is what I do for you know, I, I, I train brains. A lot of young people do not listen to what I, I call them the librarians, the people that went before you. And it's really about studying. And, and if somebody like that says, why are you not starting? Then I think that's just a lesson to say, well, yeah, why can't you do that? Yeah. So I was, I was blessed. I, I, I keep saying I was blessed. I'm, you know, I'm fortunate, you know, it's a, and you can tell I'm I'm just very I'm smiling at you know those times and when you know I came back to play for Cheshire and I'm running I'm you know I'm running a, a D1 team you know that's that's balling Dave Gardner England international you know he was my first look down the floor you know it's like where's Yogi yeah <laughs> so so how, how how many years did you end up doing uh, in in the pros as a professional player. Um, good question. See, you asked me for my basketball CV, and I'm like, <laughs> CV. But it, it was, so it was roughly it was roughly what like four or five years, something like that. Yeah, it was. I I, I had I had what was um, because it it seemed like I'd been around for a while because I was I was young. Um, I was saying to uh, Dougie the other day, um, I said it, it was like I was the Michael Owen of of basketball I'd, I'd, I'd come onto the scene and and it seemed like i'd been around for a while but you know i was i was like i said i was only 19. Um, yeah, dougie yeah. said to me he said he said i remember when you got your first england cap he's like who's this jamie edwards guy you know because i didn't play i wasn't playing um bbl wow. when i got my cap 
Wow. Yeah, so that's and that's the other thing that's just worth mentioning. So yeah, you, you obviously went went to the, the the Commonwealth Games event in in Edinburgh in in '91. Uh, played with a, an England squad with the likes of you know Ronnie Baker, John Moore, um, Martin Henlon, and, and all that crew. Uh, and so, like, I, I'm aware of time, and and I just I think this is starting to give people a sort of a bit of context in terms of in terms of your background, and I guess being ingrained in the in the basketball scene. Um, at what point did you step away from playing? Why did you choose to step away? Uh, like, how did that decision come about? Um. It came about because of um, a couple of things, injury and um, injury and circumstances. My plan, excuse me, sir, my plan was always, um, and it, it was to play in Italy. So I wasn't, you know, the aspirations weren't high school, college, can I make the MBA? My aspirations were go and play in Italy. Why, yep. why Italy? I love Italy. It was, you know, it was the, you know, the Italian basketball was big at the time. Um, you know, I just this European lifestyle. Um, you know, the, the 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 leagues around. You know, I re, I remember the Greek guys, the um, um, Nick Gallis. You know, though, you know that that was kind of my era. So I I was, you know, I I was thinking, you know. Um, retire in Italy, marry a gorgeous Italian, have gorgeous Italian kids. Um, you know, I ended up marrying a Yorkshire lass, um, got gorgeous Yorkshire children. I wanted to live in a big villa. I ended up in a you know big Yorkshire house. It, so it, you know, my plan um, went down the toilet because I got injured. Um, I had a hernia, which wouldn't really keep you out today, but back then. Um, and and also I was in Doncaster playing at Doncaster Panthers for Kurt Xavier, which was a great time. Played with Jason Swain, Kevin Penny, Tony Holly, um, and again running that team, um, Stuart Solomon, um, God rest his soul. And and um, I was running that team, and I, we were thinking about going to the BBL, but I was preparing. I mean, we're in like the middle of the season. It's like now November and I'm preparing my body for a year later. And I was just overtraining, you know, didn't know about what I should be doing. And I was overtraining because I was thinking I'm going up against Ronnie Baker next year, you know, and I, I used to love watching Ronnie um, and those guys. And I was, I was like, um, I need to be ready. And I just, you know, I, I was just doing too much. So broke down and, um, and I ended up going back to Doncaster, but made a decision because I was always coaching. I was always coaching clinics and camps and, and doing, and that, again, that was the influence of Alton because he had, he had camps. And, um, you know, I was like, okay, no, the club, the club didn't have, um, wouldn't pay for my operation. And I vowed never to um, have somebody control my destiny like that again. And so, um, said I'm going to go, going to go coach. Wow. So, so okay. So you left. You you ended up doing uh, a bunch of sort of basketball clinics, being involved with uh, NBA Mad Skills, which was a nationwide tour of of 16 cities and towns. Um, 
At, at what point? This I is created MBA mad skills. You created MBA mad skills. Okay. I created that concept. Okay, and that 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 uh, ended up being was that was was it that that was on Channel Four? Yes. Yeah. So I, I go on. I I had um, so again. I was I was like, okay, I'm going to run some big camps, and that was that was my plan, my goal, and. You know, long story sideways, um, Trevor Gordon was playing at Manchester Giants at the time. And I was running some I was running some camps and clinics. And Trevor said to me, hey, I've got this, um, you know, the newspaper wants to sponsor a clinic. You know, would you come in and coach? And I said, yeah, of course I will. Um, and there was like 80 kids in front of him. And he, he, was, he was looking at me like, Jamie, come and give me a hand. And I kind of stepped in and just, you know, organized the kids and... And uh, and on the sideline was somebody from the paper and he was watching and he said, wow, he said, you know, I've just seen you organize that. And and so that led to um, me being invited uh, eventually for a job interview with the NBA. They just opened their office in London, uh, Mark Cohan and, um, and Kimber Hooney. And, and it was interesting that, you know, he said to me, he said, Jamie, he, he said, you do not want to be working for us. He said, this is not a job for you. He said, you need to be doing your own thing. Wow. Yeah. So, so you know, I was very passionate about the, I guess I was doing skills coaching before um, there was a skills coach because I wasn't, I wasn't coaching at a club. I never coached at a club. I wasn't coaching the teams. I was just interested in developing groups and players and I would go from one place to another to another to another that's what I was doing I wasn't like in Manchester or in Oldham so this was the the mid to late 90s and um and I think it was around this time that I guess the idea of uh, owning the Manchester Giants sort of first started percolating in your mind is, is, is that correct like because I'm aware that there were two attempts to actually buy the, the franchise uh, before this time around 20, 20 odd years later, right? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, um, if, you, if you think about, you know, I, I you know, the, the labels of ownership, acquiring, takeover, you know, whatever you want to call it. I put together a, a group that had, um, done the Manchester United flotation and the Leicester City flotation and you know the VCs and I'd walked into corporate Manchester and you know said this is what I want to do and you know they were and and it's interesting um, you know today um, one of those guys is still around um, you know and he said to me you know what have you been doing for 20 years because I, I didn't I hadn't been in touch with him and and uh, he said, what have you been doing for 20 years? And he's actually the reason, one of the reasons. Again, people, if you, you want to, um, you know, my own, my own journey and story and outside of basketball, because, you know, I, I ended up you know, working with a lot of elite golfers and tennis players at Wimbledon and all sorts of things. And, you know, what, if, for me, if there's a young person listening to this or anybody, the app, what I want you to take away from... You know, it's not that I always say this. No, don't think. Oh, he's telling me this because he wants to say how. It's like, what's the, what's the, what's the one thing you can take away from it? And for me, the takeaway is 
I've, there's been people, I always say it's people and relationships, you know, Alton Bird, Mark Halliwell, um, who was the lawyer, Mark said to me, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to introduce you to somebody. We'll go in to play golf. He said, you do play golf, don't you? And I went, no. And he said, and I couldn't go, couldn't take up the invitation. And so I went away and I was like, I'm going to go and learn how to play golf because he was trying to help me. And I got very good in a year, you know, got down to nine handicap within which, uh, you know, if you're a golfer, you know, that's pretty good, especially in a year. And, um, and then the golf kind of led to different things. And, but I said to Mark a year ago, I said, Mark, I said, if it wasn't for you, you know, you've helped thousands of people because if I hadn't have got into golf, I wouldn't have gone down that route. And so, I, you know, I, I can't say it enough to, especially the young basketball players, is there's people who are trying to help you. But, you know, I, I always say peer to peer, people at your level, the kids, etc. Listen to them, yes, but it's always going to be somebody older than you, somebody older than you that's going to open a door, they're going to share something. Um, that's not the that's not the generation today. You know, you get your information from Google or from somebody your own age. But I'm going to say it's usually, you know, the, the doors open by like building relationships that way. So. So, yeah, that was a stellar team we um, put together. We tried twice, didn't happen and um, kind of closed the door on it. So what, what was what was the interest like? What was it that made you think oh, I want to own a BBL franchise? I didn't, I didn't think of it like I want to own, you know, that, that's like egotistical, like I want to own, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, 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 wanna trans, I wanted to transform something. I wanted to add value to something. I wanted to, I wanted to, so, you know, the, at the time it was, the team was, fan, you know, again, you, you know, you had Holly, you had Baker, you had Gordon, you had all those guys, you know, Perry, Robinson, all those guys, um, they're in an arena, um, even when before, when they were in the velodrome, the, the foundation, it was like there was no legs under the table, and what, you know, what, what I saw and what I was doing, and they said, why don't you just go and work for them, I was like, I said, do you really think that um, I could do this by just working for them. I said, that's not, it's not possible. Um, and so, you know, I saw that, you know, if you're gonna build, you got to build from the ground up. You don't get, um, you don't get a good club from just having a good team. It's not the team that makes the club good. And actually there's a different level to that. And so, you know, it's going from, from club to an organization and that's, so that's what I saw back then. And I also saw what I call my 10 by 10 plan um, that I've spoke you know, to people around at the minute, which is, you know, it's what the branding's about. There's the Roman numeral X, which is symbolic for the 10 boroughs. You know, 10 boroughs of Greater Manchester. And I was, this was even 23 years ago. I, I was looking at that team and thinking, oh my God, each player, an ambassador, for each borough of Manchester. You know, R Ronnie Baker, the Earl of Stockport, Tony Holly, you know, the mayor of Rochdale, you know, 
and and that becomes the, their responsibility, that borough. And so it's like scaling it. So normally what you have is in any club and in any sport, you know, in any sport, you have a player who's great in the community or you have, you know, even the footballers, you have certain footballers who are like, oh, you know, I've got to do this or I've got to do that. And then you have some who are just great at that. And so the 10 by 10 plan was more about all 10 players being deployed at the same time. So those two attempts, what, what years uh, was that that you were trying to originally um, buy, get involved? Um... 90, it was between 96, 96, 97, 98. And what was it that ultimately stopped it from happening? They didn't want, they didn't want to, they didn't want to engage. (laughs) Right, they just didn't want to sell. Yeah, they didn't want to engage. And the other thing, I, I would guess, maybe I'm wrong, but, but, in in that time, I would have guessed that the franchise was probably actually worth a lot more than it would have been this time around. Well, they were they they were they were doing they they were they were winning at the time, and they were they were winning and they were in the arena. And when you're winning and you're in an arena, um, so, but we never got to you know we never got to we never got to the table. So. Wow. So then let's let's okay so let's fast forward to the present day you know fast forward 20 23 years uh of course you know you in in that time of obviously you know you've got your training brains which is essentially you're a peak performance coach working with elite athletes uh, whether that's be golfers footballs footballers uh tennis players w- whatever it may be um people people yeah. uh that that entire time have you been thinking I'm just biding my time waiting for an opportunity that the situation is right, or did you just kind of put it to the put it to the back of your mind, uh, and then the opportunity arose because obviously the Giants were in the situation they were in, and you were like, oh, well, actually, maybe we can make this happen again. Like, how did that the, this time? I was, I think, did, did did it end up happening in February of of twenty twenty of this year? That, that was the, the actual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I wasn't biding my time. I, you know, I stayed stayed close to. Um, you know, I, I there were the club came back. As you know, I didn't even um, I didn't even know the club came back in 2012, because in that period of time I was running around Europe. You know, doing what I doing doing what I do. So I actually wasn't even thinking basketball. Um, and then, you know, the the club came came back with. You know, a group of guys and um, passionate, passionate guys. Uh, one of them I played with um, as a as a 16 year old in that East Manchester, um, um, the Manchester United East team. Um, Graham, great guy, great great friend still. Um, and I didn't even know that um, the club had come back. So, um, you know, we'd had a conversation. Five years ago wasn't you know there wasn't wasn't the right time for for me um, at that time and you know fortunately 
um, as they say, the stars aligned and things happen for reasons and, um, you know, reasons that sometimes I, I had no idea why, why it happened, you know. So um, why did it happen as it did now? Who knows? So, so let's, let's get into the nitty gritty uh, of essentially, you know, transferring ownership of a BBL franchise. Like, how does it work when a franchise becomes available potentially? Like, what's the process? How does it go down? That, some, that, that's, that's not, that kind of detail is, I know you've told me you, that's something that you want to do. Yeah. yeah. So I will gladly, um, you know, down the road when, you know, I'm coming to London this Friday, I will gladly sit down with you and we can, we can have a conversation about that. Um, you know, but I, I think what, I think the the question that you're really asking, and what what I'll say is, um, and and interestingly, a player that you know we were recruiting this summer said, you know, I want to own a club one day, and I said to him, I said, well, are you preparing for that now? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I said I was preparing for it, you know, years and years and years and years ago. In terms of, you know, not it, it, the conversations with Alton, the learn, when Alton says, go into the bar, kiss your mum, kiss your girlfriend, and then go and talk to people. Those would have, uh, those, that's what was the key things. And I think for, you know, I'm not saying this. For basketballers, I'm saying this in general, um, what makes things happen are people and relationships. So I feel like you might answer this now, but I'm going to ask it anyway. In terms of, in terms of the ownership, are you the majority sole owner? Like how many other people are involved? How many people did you bring to the table to kind of uh, to be involved with, with the club? How many other people? Yeah, like who, who like cause you, you're the only name that essentially is is, is really well, publicly it, it, associated with it, it right? It it's it's you know you would say I'm 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 the I'm the the lead guy I'm the I'm the influencer at the minute I'm the I'm the the, the chief excitement officer yeah that's um so that's what I am um you know the 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 club is actually owned by an entity so it's um. So I, I don't need to I don't need to have um, you know across the door. Um, so I'm 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 the the influencer right now, um, leading change. And so when you talk like because again you know we look at we look at the Manchester roster this season clearly there is a, a bigger playing budget than there has been in previous years. Um, when we talk about where the money's coming from, like uh, with the sources of that money, like can we discuss that? No. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why the secrecy around it? It's not secret. It's just. It's just not. It's just not a conversation for. It's just not. It's just not a conversation for. For this forum. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So you know you're now almost a year. So it would be a year in February uh, that you've kind of uh, taken over the club. When you talk about, I guess your expectations coming in. Um, what you expected 
uh, the B, like running a BBL franchise to, to be like being a part of the BBL to be like uh, and then the reality is kind of how would you assess the first of course you've had to deal with coronavirus which I would assume makes things very different compared to how, how it might have otherwise been um, but how, how would you assess that 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 first uh, 10, 10 months of, of progress um, what are the sort of I guess the biggest learnings the biggest uh, things that you've um, taken from uh, sort of being in the position you're in now um don't be surprised at anything don't be surprised at anything so i'm not surprised at anything you know um challenges um you know i expect challenges whether it's from a player whether it's from uh, just you know just challenges so you know that's part of it um you know people ask me all the time am i enjoying it you know of course um, but, you know, nobody planned for coronavirus. Um, but even in a non-pandemic, there would have been challenges anyway. So, um, so the biggest learnings are, you know, there's an appetite for, there's an appetite for this club, not just internally, but externally and even further apart. Um, there's an appetite for it to um to do well so who what how would you assess um the state of manchester basketball you know one of the things that that we hear across british basketball consistently is the need for everyone to come together you know it's like uh, people need to stop working by themselves there needs to be a joining a joining of forces etc 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 um Obviously, you you cut. You... This in the basketball is this in the basketball one hundred and one manual. In terms of what would you mean? I don't know. Is is that um, you just said? There's there's a. I would say that when when we talk about British basketball, the one of the things that consistently comes up is essentially different factions uh, working against each other as opposed to together, and people working in isolation rather than together. Whether that is the home nations and the British Basketball Federation, whether that is different clubs, uh, whether that is different organisations, there is. Um... Why, why is why is that? Let me let me let me throw that back to you and and, and ask and I ask mean, you why, why that is. Uh, well, I would if I was if I was to um, say my my best guess is because obviously self interest prevails, right? And everyone's got their own uh, different agendas that they are trying to prioritise, and I guess there's a. I mean, maybe a sense of well, I can understand. Like, if I if I was in a situation, you know, like I would only want to work with certain people. I'd want to work with my people. Um, there are certain organisations and and whatever else. That even in, in my situation, the stuff that I do now, like there's certain people that I'd rather not work with. Like, um, so yeah, like if I was to if I was to answer the question, that would that would be it. <laughs> okay, so the so throw it back to me then. So 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 my question to you is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like your essentially your assessment of, of Manchester basketball, why there hasn't been able to be a, a sort of bringing together previously, um, and I guess how how you're personally you know approaching it uh, in terms of what you want to do with the Giants, uh, whether it is a case of working in isolation or or do you feel there are potential partnerships, uh, bringing working with other clubs, like yeah, just kind of I guess your assessment on on it all. I love that question. Um, the the Sam. Um, the first, the first thing was, or not was, but is, because 
you know, we're right at the beginning of this journey. Um, so, you know, I, I have to say that first of all, in recognition to, um, you know, the previously getting the club to this point was, um, you know, the, the club had, um, it had been stewarded by, um, you know, a couple of groups um, that have done, you know, if it wasn't for them, the club wouldn't be, wouldn't be here, you know, so I have to acknowledge that, you know, so does the city, so does the game, you know, so, um, so there is an acknowledgement of that. Um, but even before I come here in Manchester, and I know I've heard similar things in other places that, um, you know, there's there's been dysfunction, just like you said. So it's not anything that um, I've and I, I describe. It's like it's like a family. People talk about basketball, don't they, in sports? Like it's like a family. It's like a family. And so um, you've just said the words self-interest. I don't know. I know of the people in Manchester, um, and there's some great stuff that's happened in Manchester because. If you think about it, look at some of the players that have been produced in Manchester. Um, look at the programmes in Manchester. So I really think, um, for me, my focus is the Manchester Giants right now. And the Manchester Giants being, um, being pulled up to where lots of people talk about, and, and I say, it's got so much potential. It should be this. It should be that. Um, and it should be. But I wasn't part of the people not being around that table. I wasn't a part of it. So I can't I can't comment on on why. But if I start commenting on why, then I become part of what didn't help the game go to, or whether it's this club or the game, go to the levels that everybody believes it should be able to go to. So I don't get, well, first of all, I'm the new guy at the table, but I'm not gonna get into that conversation because if I get into that conversation, then that's the definition of insanity. I'm doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting something to change. So, so Sam, that I, I don't know whether it answers the question, but yes, the, it's the old adage. Um, before you can help, you know, the, you know, you know, on the plane and they say, you know, put your own mask on, put your own life jacket on first before you can help. I think the Manchester Giants, a club like this, has to do that first internally before it can start talking about the wider context. Yeah, that, that makes that makes sense. One of the... the... If you, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's it's a topic that I'm 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 very passionate about, but I, I'm not going to get into the, you know, into the what's around the table. Yeah, 
Should, yeah, it's a, yeah, of course. I understand. Yeah, it's, it's a case of focusing, focusing on what, what you need to do, what you think the, the, the club needs to do to, to ensure that you know you're you're good first. And I, I, yeah, I, I totally um, yeah under, understand that. One of the, the the biggest things, the more tangible things that's happened um, since you become involved uh, with the club is, of course, you're now playing out of the National Basketball Performance Centre, which has been something that has been spoken about for years it's like you know how have we got uh you know facilities in manchester and yet the 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 only professional franchise is not playing in one of them how did that end up coming to be uh and what was your understanding of why it hadn't happened uh prior because it seems like a pretty obvious move right oh why why did it not happen i don't know why it didn't happen Lots of people said it's got to happen. It should happen. It's the obvious. Well, sometimes the obvious is, you know, I'm not looking for the obvious. I'm looking for what's not obvious. So I'm looking for, you know, you, you Sam. I don't know why it didn't happen. Was it easy to make happen? No. Why not? Why not? What are the what are the barriers that you've got? A, you've got a national performance center, and the only BBL franchise in the city isn't playing it. Like, what are the, the barriers that stop something like that from happening? What are the barriers? Yeah, like it, you just said, it's not. It wasn't easy, so it's like, well, what? Well, why well, not? No, if, if if it was easy, then you just walk in and you just go, okay, that's where we want to play, and that's where. But you, you know, I'm, I'm what what I'm what I'm doing here is the first thing is the first thing is the energy has to change around you know the energy it's energy between people isn't it it's energy between organizations it's energy between um between players and teams um so energy and you could call that um in it's just a label for culture it's a label for relationship so energy has to change and, and, and unless if energy is the same, you get the same thing. If you don't change the pace of the game, if you don't change the pace of the game, you you get stuck. You just keep walking it up the floor. You get stuck. You keep running. You get stuck. You've got to change the energy. And and that's what that's what had to happen. We had to change the, the energy, have changed the culture, have changed the relationships. And. And so, you know, it was that was the obvious. Go to the national basketball. If if I had a pound for every time, you know, I was told that, um, yeah, the corona wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, listen, that I, I'm, you know, that was a, it's all historic stuff then. It's all mm. historic stuff. You know, my, my, I'm interested in, I'm, I'm interested in today, Sam. Yeah. I'm interested in today. Yeah, of course. But you, you can't, it's like, without having that historical context, it's very hard to, to, to know. Like, you know, I, I'm always said, I think the history of the game is so important because it's like, if we don't know what's come before, we're, we're bound to repeat the same mistakes and everything else, right? So it's like, you have to, you have to kind of know what the issues were or, or have an awareness of, of what people say, certain, whatever it might be, so that then you can come into the situation and be in a better position to change it, right? And be better. Well, you know, do you know what's, uh, do you know what's, 
what's interesting there. I love history. You've been watching The Crown? Yeah? No. Been watching The Crown no, no. on Netflix? I love history. Yeah. Um, I, I, I always, you know, that's why I say they're librarians of the game. There are certain people who are librarians of the game. You know, it's why it's why I brought Jason Swain back as a as the commentator, you know, and I played with Jason. I, you know, it's a, he's a librarian of the game. There are certain coaches who, you know, certain coaches and players um, who librarians of the game who I want to have involved. Um, but I, I say, look back if it makes you smile. Look back if it makes you smile. If it doesn't make you smile, don't go back to it. And, you know, nothing to do with me. Purely fact, the club, and I saw this on a, somebody, it might be new, it might be an, um, another of the, the journalists, basketball journalists, but I saw this, um, it was presented to me, the club had been bottom of the BBL table for um, eight years. It was a decade, it was a decade table of the BBL. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, it was there or thereabouts, for sure. Yeah. So. Oh, you mean, the t- I know which one, I know which one you mean. Yeah, yeah, when it had the overall win-loss record rather than the individual season records. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what, what what can we say? You know that. Yeah. I I I can't. I'm, I can't there's no. I actually can't say anything to that right now. Is that whether it's me or somebody else, something has to change. Energy and and it's back to this is Manchester, um, and I know you know that there are people who are very passionate about the basketball in Manchester, very passionate, which is great because that's what that's what it needs. But. It's how do you move that, the history of how do you move it forward? How do you move it forward? When we talk about the history and I guess the the culture of the club, you know, one of the the big surprises for a lot of people uh, this off-season was the release of of the Jones brothers. Um, Obviously, notably Callum Jones, who who penned the the open letter, basically saying that he was willing to play even uh, essentially for, 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 for no pay uh, just to be involved and he, he saw himself retiring there and obviously ended up, uh, ended up leaving and I think the only sort of um, coach Bernard essentially said that you know we want to focus on the future and it was a difficult decision and um, yeah and focus on a sort of young, young, young British core and he's essentially not part of that like how, how difficult of a decision was that and you know when I when you look at a player of his experience and someone who clearly can still can still contribute on the court as well, like what was that? What, what was that decision? How did that come about and come to be? And, and why was that decision made? Well, it, it wasn't based on a young British core. It was the average age was over thirty years old. Um, coach, uh, it was, and you know, by the way, I, you know, I've I've, I've known Callum um, on I, I was. I've known of Callum, known Callum for a long time. Great guy. Has done a lot for, um, you know, the game and has been around Manchester for, you know, all his life. Um, Wasn't an easy decision um, for the coach, for myself. But here's, here's the thing. Coach wanted a certain style. He wanted... A team, a younger team, um, 
and it needed it needed some change and that was that was it and that was it difficult decision um difficult decision can't say that any other way um very difficult decision but um you know callum yeah he's gonna you know he's he's gonna have a good season and uh, you know with sheffield and he's got a lot to contribute to the game and i'm sure he will contribute in different ways um going forward but the you know the coach wanted to it wasn't about a british core it was about him you know looking at well this is this is where we were age-wise and he wanted to he wanted to change we have seen a lot of talk about sort of uh, essentially homegrown local talent um you know where do you see uh, sort of the junior development aspect um, fitting in to the the sort of the Giants pathway, uh, and how do you see balancing out at you know the BBL level having a balance between you know player development, but also of course winning. Well, again, if you if you look at this summer, uh, we signed three players from academies, and that was the intent there. Um, one from Charmwood. Two from Myersco. Um, you know, I I had opportunities when I was that age, not just to be at the end of a bench, but you know, there you go. And and so um, that's that's a big part of it. I'm I want I want young players to have opportunities. If you're good enough, then you know you'll play. Um, Zach Powell came back. Zach played more minutes than any 20 year old in the BBL last last year. Um, you know, I, and I think he's got a hell of a future. Um, not even a hell of a future, just, you know, right now, he, you know, he can play. Um, so I think from a development point of view, um, there needed to be a pathway, um, you know, right the way from, um, you know, in primary schools, right the way through. There was no academy in the club. Um, so we've started a partnership with uh, uh, Zavarian College and there's another college as well um, which is not really about the performance side but um, you know we we've got two colleges so you know the the one of the first things that um, the the junior club uh, which was kind of over there as well um, you know so it wasn't connected and uh, and I you know, and I, I actually, it, it was literally, I think, in my first week, and I said to um, Adrian, who was running the junior club, and I said, um, Manchester City, don't say, you know, there you go, there's our name, develop us some players. Um, you know, it's like in-house, you know, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be part of a pathway. And and that's a, that's a big that's a big job for us, but... Um, I'm very, you know, I'm more than interested in in the development of the kids. I'm probably more so outside of basketball than in basketball because, you know, I'm very interested in what, you know, the the ten by ten plan is. Ten year old kid in ten years time, where is he going to be? You know. Oh, yeah, like the the uh, <clears throat> when you when you talk about kind of like um, actually getting tangible minutes for 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 these young players. Is it a case of they need to be good enough uh, first? Like when, when we're talking about sport specific, do you want to do you want to focus on uh, kids specifically from 
northwest Manchester area, or is it a case of, you know, like any young British guys, ideally, you know, if they're good enough, we'd, we'd bring them in. Obviously, Women Academy, it potentially gives you options to bring in players external to the, to the northwest. Or is it about sort of the local development? Well, it, it's an interesting one because this, you know, you're in a, a major city, you know, just like Birmingham's a major city, just like, you know, Newcastle and, you know, the major cities in around the country. Um, so there's 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 a there's a pool of natural ability just as human beings in these cities. Um, so there's two things I could say. One, I'll say, doesn't matter which city you're from. The ball doesn't know that you live in M12, and the ball doesn't know how old you are. And and very often, you know the. The, 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 you know, it's like, oh, I'm only 19. You know, am I going to get to play? Well, the ball doesn't know you're 19. And, you know, you could say Luka Doncic, um, you know, was he thinking, oh, I'm only 17. So there's a mentality that a young player has to develop and to be able to not just... You know, I, and I see this because of the work that I do in in other in other sports, is that a young player will talk themselves out of that, or they're not ready because they've actually not learned. Like their body's ready. This is what I would say: their bodies are ready, their skills back might be ready, but their mentality hasn't caught up with their body or their skills. And so that's where a coach is gonna say. Why am I going to put you in because you're not ready? And again, the only way you learn that and fast track your mentality is, is being is having access to that information. And all those, I'm going to say old pros, Peter Scantlebury, the Trevor Gordons, you know, the Martin Henlands, the, you know, the Joel Moores, like the Altons. For me personally, I fast-tracked my mentality. And, and that's what I, I want, you know, having talent, there's a lot of talented kids. I see talented people every day in sports, a lot of talented kids. If, if, we're, if we're gonna help, whether it's Northwest or the country, develop better players, then we're looking at them saying, wow, they're fast, wow, they can jump fundamentals how good are their fundamentals how good are they mentally are they and, and it's really aligning their thinking with their athletic ability your day-to-day -day at the moment what does it look like does that does, does that does that answer that question sam yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that's yeah i think yeah i think so um yeah, you obviously there's a lot to there's a lot to do, right? You know, as we we've just spoken about for the last hour and hour or so. Like, there's a you know when you look at the club and on all the things going on, like on a day to day basis, kind of what does your day to day look like? I assume that you're still doing your your um you know your peak performance coaching as well. So there's obviously a lot to balance there. Well, this is a it, it's just an extension of <laughs> you know it's just an extension of um yeah there is a there is a lot to do um. Um, but we, we, you know we're, we're building 
you know, it's it's not it's not a one man kind of operation that we're looking at. That's you know, it's not going to be centered around Jamie Edwards. You know, you, you know, I'm a point guard and I was a pass first point guard. Yeah. So that, you know, I I'm I'm about, um, you know, the the marketing guys ringing me now. So, you know, and, um, you know, I'm interested in the development of um you know, we've got a trainee physio right now. I'm interested in her development. And so she's she's doing her placement, but she's also, um, when she contacted me, I said, okay, you're gonna do some work with us, but you're gonna do your placement with um, a very good friend of mine who's a world-class physio, world-class. You know, we've I've worked with the athletes, his athletes and vice versa. And she's now, in his clinic, developing pathway relationships, um, being that close to really how how it's working at the elite level. Um, so very important, Sam. That this, you know, you saying what's my day like? It's um, you know a lot of moving parts as it is for every every club um, or any organisation. Um, so you know. People keep asking me, you know, am I enjoying it? Of course, of course I'm enjoying it. You know, depends what hour of the day you ask me, though. Yeah, you, you ask me at ask me at five o'clock in the afternoon, it might be no. If you ask me at three o'clock in the afternoon, it might be yes. Yeah. 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 So I'm aware, Tom. I know, I know you got to shoot, but just a, a, a final one to finish on, I guess, is, is looking to the future. Um, you know, when you look at the aspirations of this club. You know where it could be, uh, where it could grow to in the next three to five years. You know what would you say about kind of um, where you, what the sort of the trajectory of the club and, and where you think it could get to and where you want it to be. Where do I want the club to be? I well, first of all, um, we've surpassed expectations for for this year already. Yeah. Um, I want the club. I but want other, the club. surely that's other people's expectations, not your expectations. Yeah, well, um, I, I would say you know we've we've won more games than than we did. So you know, I, I, I said we, we we can go home now. But you no, you're right. Um, um, I, I I'm not going to make predictions. Um, people ask me for predictions of scores and all sorts of you know, are we going to win? Are we going to win? Um, um, my aspirations for the club that we we impact the game in the community that's a big aspiration um, that we're very very competitive I'd like to see I'd like to see you know the model of Newcastle Leicester um, you know I talk to those guys all the time in fact I'm a big Leicester fan I'm a big Newcastle fan and I got to see Newcastle um up close the other day and you know just you know what those guys have been you know paul's created a um some of those guys have been there three four five six years um and you can see that and that's how you build that's how you build an organization um so i'd like to i'd like to see um some titles in manchester yeah, I'd like to see some titles in Manchester, um, but I'd like to see us, you know, go beyond 
you know what the community there's a bigger there's a bigger community not basketball community there's a bigger community three million mancunians and there's plenty of red in the city and plenty of blue in the city uh, and and i believe there's you know in in the middle there's plenty of room for green and i think the game the the game i don't i think it's overlooked the power of the the orange ball i call it the influence of the orange ball and and i think it has influence both on the court and off the court and um if if i see if we do what we should do and it's all should if we do what we should do both on the court but more so off the court more so off the court you could bring the you could bring the los angeles lakers in here sam right now right you bring the lakers in here doesn't mean that the club fulfills the potential doesn't and that's you know that's if i can contribute to the club fulfilling its potential that means that there's people people have got to fulfill the potential there's there's no way a club just springs into what you see in this city and what the league see in this city it's not going to happen just because there's a team on the floor winning basketball games. It, it, it will not happen just because there's a winning team. It has to be about the people going to different levels. And that means, that means um, the kids, the players, the coaches, the school teachers, you know, there are there are PE teachers who I've coached basketball to many years ago who are like, we've had the club in the school in the past. Can we do it properly? And I've said, I said, what what do you blank piece of paper? What how would you want to do it? And and I've I've, I've recruited these guys along with the coach and the analyst. And we've not recruited them just because of them playing basketball. If they've just come to play basketball, this is the wrong project. It's the wrong project. Because it's just, if you you just come in here to play basketball, that's Jack Hudson. We're gonna carry on, Jack Hudson. Um, Jack's a lawyer in the day and a point guard by night. That's a, that's a, for me, that's more powerful than him being a full-time basketball player. You think, why? Why? Yeah. Because not every young kid in Manchester or in this country is going to make it as a basketball player, Sam. For sure. But then wouldn't you want kids that are looking up to the professional league to be looking at full-time professional basketball players and saying, I can achieve my dream of being a full-time pro and not have to do another job to be able to make ends meet? But, Sam, there are certain things. Then that means the league has to go to a different level to be able to facilitate that which is what the league is 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 looking to do now but the reality is there is going to be a kid somewhere who's going to go actually 
I can go to university and I can study and I can play and I could actually have a career as well. Might not, you know, Jack, like I said, he's a lawyer. Alton Bird didn't play full time. Alton was, you know, he did lots of different things outside of, of playing. So, but yeah, would you want a full time? We need to create that environment in the game to be able to facilitate that. That requires that requires certain things happening that are nothing to do with the basketball game. They're nothing to do with you know with um, shooting jump shots. To be able to facilitate that, um, to be able to compete with European leagues, that's not a basketball um, context. And so the point I was making is, yes, what do I see? I see, you know, a Jordan Whelan coming back to Manchester and having influence in the basketball community, not just being on the court, but actually being out in the community. I see, you know, imports coming in and being around. So they, you know, they become um, more visual in in the city and with the community and then you've got a 10 year old kid who probably doesn't play basketball right now who's going where will they be in 10 years time they'll be 20 years old will they be looking at going to um, college in America will they be looking at you know what's going to be their plan will they be in media like you you know, we're starting a digital academy. In fact, it's already started informally. We've got a digital academy, yeah, because there are passionate people who it's giving them access to, giving them access to a professional sports organisation. So you might not be good enough to be a top player, but you might see a career in the game. How do we facilitate that? for you and then for us as a club it's the big european clubs don't send all the kids to university in america i don't know do you know that uh yeah i mean well yeah it depends it depends on the situation but yeah a lot of obviously there are a lot of uh there are a lot of top european kids that do go to the states but there are plenty that also stay stay here and turn professional no, no, I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about in, in Europe. Yeah, I mean, sorry, when I say here, I'm in Europe. Europe. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're out of Europe now, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but, but in terms of, you know, that's, that's also, Sam, um, you know, part of, um, you know, that's, that's what I'm looking at right now is that those clubs do not send their kids to the U.S. And what's interesting is one of the conversation I I have heard is, well, what's that US experience like? Is it beneficial to the development of a player? Does everybody go to university and come back better players? Or would they have been, would they have been, um, would, have, would, they, would their development have been better had they have played Division One BBL? Yeah. 
So it's an interesting one. It is. It is. Look, I, I'm, I'm super aware of your time because uh, we've already overran. Um, but yes, that's a that's a perfect place to leave it. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time. I'm glad we finally got to do this. I think it gives people a, a good insight into kind of how you're uh, approaching um, the Giants, and hopefully, uh, yeah, we'll see see it continue to progress um, and come to fruition over the the coming years. I wish you all the best with it, and I think I'll probably see you this Friday as well. Look forward to seeing you in London. Hey, podcast listener. But you weren't expecting to hear from me again. Now that you've listened to the show, please take two seconds to take your podcast player out of your pocket and give us a rating and review on iTunes. It would be massively appreciated and goes a long way in helping us spread this content far and wide. Literally take your phone out of your pocket right now, uh, open up your podcast player, go to the Hoops Fix podcast, you'll see the option to leave a rating and review. Drop us a five star if you love it. And uh, if you could take two seconds just to write a review as well, it would be massively, massively appreciated. Thank you and speak to you next week. You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more.